Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast, right here on arseblog.oleole.com. Hope we find you well this Friday, or whenever it is you happen to be listening to it. The season is well and truly underway. We're into the swing of things big time, and it's all going very well, isn't it? Suspiciously well. But I'm not going to dwell on suspicions and conspiracy theories. No. I'll just uh, take the 15 goals we scored, the four wins we've got, and <clears throat> enjoy myself with them, I have to say. Uh, tonight's uh, drink of choice is Bloody Mary's. Yes, they're tomato-y and vodka-y and um, peppery, and they're good for this time of the year. Summer's nearly over, but it's still warm enough not to have to drink something that puts a bit of fire in your belly. And mostly vodka with some tomato and a bit of pepper and Tabasco and all that kind of stuff. It's good. You need a bit of variety in your life. What is the point? Do you know what? You might say, Bloody Mary, what a complete wanker he is for drinking a Bloody Mary. But I drank no Bloody Marys at all at the start of last season. And we lost our second game to Fulham. Now, if you try and tell me there's no link between the fact that our season has started so well and the fact that I am drinking Bloody Marys, then I will call you a fool. Because that's the only thing that's different between this year and last year. This time last year, I was probably drinking some wine. Or beer. And what happened? We lost our second game to Fulham. So long live the Bloody Mary. That's what I say. I'll keep drinking them all season long if it means we keep scoring goals. Coming up on this show in a few moments' time, I'll be talking to the man from East Lower about our qualification for the Champions League, the Champions League draw, all this fuss about Eduardo. Uh, Two-game bans, you wait for getting involved, divey-divey, cheaty-cheaty, all that kind of stuff. We'll be looking ahead to the Manchester United game and touching briefly on the transfer window as well. Uh, aside from that, we've got Sylvester. He's in the house, some talk shite radio. We've got the greatest match report of all time uh, and more. That's all to come between now and the end of the show. And, and, I'd nearly forgotten, prizes. I have got prizes to give away on this week's show, so stay tuned a bit later on. I will give you a chance to win one of the brand new Nike training tops, uh, Arsenal training tops, of course. Uh, that's to come between now and the end of the show. So since the last Arscast, what happened? Well, we had our first home game of the season last Saturday against Portsmouth. It was a sunny, beautiful day. Uh, everybody was happy. Abu Dhabi scored two goals in three minutes, something like that. And good goals they were, too. First goal, beautifully set up by Eduardo. Second goal, a breakout from the back. Marvellous stuff. Of course, we let one in. Of course. We're feeling charitable these days, knowing that we're going to score a load of goals. Sometimes we let them get their consolation a bit before the end. And it was um, Eunice Kabul. 
as I pointed out on the, on the blog, he, he looks like, if you've got Hellboy 3, he's going to be the villain. He looks like a monster. Like he was molded out of, I don't know what, some part of the earth that dogs piss in. He's an odd-looking man. God help him. He really is. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, the, the, the fourth goal was scored by Aaron Ramsey on 68 minutes. However, the goal of the game, as I'm sure you all know, was scored on 51 minutes by William Gallas. Should he have been on the pitch? Should he have not been on the pitch? Yes, he should have been on the pitch. But I was worried when I was watching it on that 300 by 200 pixel uh, stream, which was, I don't know, it's not good for your eyes, those things. It really isn't. But anyway, I saw Gallas running and Utaka running and Utaka fall over. And normally in that situation, uh, the defender gets a red card because the ref can't be arse looking. And I said to myself, that's some good refereeing there by Steve Bennett. And those are words that nobody says terribly often. And, and I said as much on the blog. I said that was good refereeing by the referee. However, I got an email during the week of a guy who said, I was actually watching the referee and he was looking at his linesman when the two players went down. He had no clue what happened. He didn't see it. Therefore, he couldn't actually give a red card or, or anything. So that's why it was good refereeing. He wasn't looking. So my proposal from now on, whenever Steve Bennett is refereeing, we gouge out his eyes. Or put a blindfold on him, maybe. That way he doesn't see anything, so he can't give any bad decisions. Might be a little impractical, I grant you. But anyway, uh, Gallas, um, despite the fact Portsmouth thought he should have been sent off, should not have been sent off, we know that, uh, went up the other end. After an Irish having free kick was uh, flicked on by... Uh, Robin Van Persie, Vermalen was at the back post. He knocked it back across goal and hit Gallus on the foot and boom, straight up into his left nipple. Now, the left nipple said he was going to score a hat-trick. So he's let us down a little bit. But how can you argue? It's not often left nipples predict their own goal-scoring feats. He might have overstated it a bit, over-egged the pudding, if you like. But he got the goal, didn't he? I believe Gallas was showing off the bruise on his chest after the game. Where next for William Gallas? What next for William Gallas? He's cocked one in. He stuck one in off his arse. His left nipple. Of course, right nipple. Maybe. But who knows? He's like a deflectotron. Wherever the ball hits him, it's going to go in. I saw he took a, a normal shot on goal last night. And he just whacked it, thinking, it doesn't really matter how I hit it. No, in my luck, it's just going to whack off my own nose and, and whack it. It didn't go in. Clearly, clearly he's peaked, and uh, we ought to think about replacing him now. But uh, that was the game against Portsmouth. 4-1. Can't argue. Really can't argue. And then we had the Celtic game, and uh, at no stage were we threatened by Celtic. Uh, two fantastic goals. Absolutely fantastic goals. The, the move that led to Ubuwe's goal was, was brilliant. Ubuwe's uh, finish and, and turn in the box was, was really great and, and it turns out that uh, it wasn't anything to do with him per se it was it was his priest Ibuwe's priest told him to do it Ibuwe spoke to the official website he said I'm very very religious I believe in God two things normally go hand in hand it has to be said and he said yesterday I spoke with my priest and he told me to do that so I said, okay, no problem. I will do that for my God. Now the priest told him to score. And he scored. 
Someone needs to find this priest and tell him to tell Ibuwe to do all kinds of cool stuff. Like, Ibuwe, how about, when we're playing Manchester United, how about bringing a cutlass onto the pitch and eviscerating Patrice Evra just before half-time, spilling his guts all over the centre circle? Okay, well, if you're telling me to do this, priestie, are you sure? Yeah, God wants you to do it, I promise. All right, then. It might be his last act in an Arsenal shirt, but what an act! It'd be fantastic. So Ibuwe's priest got the goal, essentially. And the second goal, uh, the third goal on the night, of course, the second goal was uh, by Andre Arsh having great pressing, Danielson, Ramsey, Arsh having turned and swiveled and put it in, and, and that was it. All the fuss, of course, has been made about Eduardo and the uh, the dive and everything like that. And I'll be talking to the man from East Lower about that now in just a moment. But my own thoughts on it are that the whole thing has been blown out of proportion. As I said in the blog, you know, he dived. So what? It's not nice. I don't think any Arsenal fan has tried to make any excuse for him. He shouldn't have done it. I'd prefer if he didn't do it. I think we'd all prefer if he didn't do it. But it's not the end of the world. And unless the same kind of vitriol and vilification is handed out to every single player when they dive, then it all smacks a bit of uh, jingoism or xenophobia or something. It's just not It's just not right, is it? Because Eduardo doesn't deserve that. He's not a diver. He hasn't done it in the past, but now he's going to get this terrible reputation. He is because of all the fuss that's created about this. It was one dive. He shouldn't have done it. He was wrong, but it didn't make any difference on the night. We would have won that game anyway. We would have won the tie anyway. Celtics first shot on goal uh, in the in the second leg. It was in the 92nd minute, and that turned out to be their goal. So you can't say it affected the result. So I don't know. It just uh, strikes me as all a bit over the top. You have fans of Manchester United going, oh, Eduardo's such a diver. Hang on a minute. You've just rid yourselves of Cristiano Ronaldo, who for the last five or six years has dived everywhere he's gone. Every single ground. In the Champions League, he dived to win a free kick from Cesc, which, uh, which uh, got them their second goal at the Grove in the, in the second leg. That was a dive. And he did it his whole Manchester United career. Chelsea fans, are you going to fucking talk to me about divers when you have Drogba on your team? Please. Liverpool fans, no thank you. I don't want to listen to you while you've got Steven Gerrard in your team. But... While some of these people have been criticised, and Ronaldo uh, obviously is a a player that most people will say he's a diver, and people will say Drogba's a diver, most people won't talk about Gerrard being a diver. Certainly the people in the press won't talk about it, because he's English. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, The same rule should apply for everybody. If if you're going to castigate Eduardo, you've got to castigate Gerrard when he does it next time, or Michael Owen next time he does it, or any English player next time he does it. But we shall see what happens. Whether it happens or not... I remain dubious. Uh, But to talk a little bit more about Celtic and Champions League and and everything else that's going on, uh, I'm pleased to welcome for the first time this season the man from East Lower. Hello there. Hi, hi, how are you? Had a good summer? Yeah, thank you. Not not too bad. I managed to um, put Arsenal out of my head for a few months and I think it's done me good, so I'm raring to go. Easing your way back into the new season. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's good. Uh, I mean, there were some good sports events over the summer, so... uh, uh, you know, we didn't have to think every day about who we hadn't signed, but um, and here we are, <laughs> still having signed no one. Well, more or less, more or less. But more there you go. It, it doesn't seem to matter at this very moment in time. It doesn't really, does it? Um, we're through to the 
to the group stages of the Champions League. Your reaction to the draw, I'm not sure it could have been an awful lot kinder. I think they, they must have mixed our ball up with Manchester United's. It was, it's a good draw. I mean, it depends what you call it, a good draw. If, if a good draw is, is a draw that lets you get through easily, then it, it's definitely, uh, well, not easily, but gives you a good chance of getting through, then it's a good draw. It doesn't really have any sort of uh, heart-stopping Arsenal v Barcelona group games, but, you know, I reckon it could be quite some good games in there. Teams we haven't really played for either at all or, or for a long time, so it, mm. it could be quite good. Standard Liège, was, it was the UEFA Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I remember playing them. I can't actually remember when it was. I, I can't remember when it was. All I know <laughs> is uh, Eddie McGoldrick scored a really fantastic goal, probably his finest moment in, a, in an Arsenal shirt. In fact, his, probably his only fine moment uh, in an Arsenal shirt. I think we won 7-0 that night, and he scored an absolute belter. Well, I'll, I'll settle for 7-0 uh, again. Yeah. Will, will, you bring, will we bring back Eddie? I reckon he's probably back in spirit already somewhere. <laughs> Uh, the game against Celtic, obviously, uh, we got through over the over the course of the two legs. I don't think there can be any uh, complaint about the uh, about the result and the fact that we went through. No, no, uh, it's. Uh, I think the, draw, the the difference in quality between between the two teams is reflective of the difference in quality between the two leagues, and probably also in the amount of money that uh, you know the two teams have got to maybe not spend on players because we don't spend a lot, but we can we can certainly attract different class of players and probably pay them more yeah. it was pretty clear of the two legs it, uh, the gap didn't used to be that big I'm, I'm not wrong in thinking that am I no I think well it depends when you when you're looking at and pre-Champions League it, it probably wasn't it? Mm. I reckon it's probably got worse in the last uh, you know 10 years um, but no it never used to if you look back in the sort of early 80s there were all sorts of clubs winning it weren't there but mm. not, not now it's all a bit I wouldn't say predictable but you can certainly look at the Champions League draw and, and you'll know who has a good chance of winning and who definitely won't win. Mm. The four goals that we did score um, seem to be irrelevant uh, at the moment because all the all the talk is about Eduardo uh, and the penalty that he won. Um, I'm of the opinion now that, that it's gone a, a little bit over the top some of the reaction to it and, and uh, the, the press coverage. And you're getting, you're getting some people now looking at it and, and writing articles going, no, this is all, this is all crazy. But um, what do you make of the fuss that's been made over something that happens um, in football week in, week out? Well, look, it, 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 was, it was a dive. I mean, let, let's get it straight. There's, yeah. there's, it was the definite dive. And I personally don't like to see an Arsenal player do that. Pires used to do it a bit and I used to feel a bit uncomfortable. And, you know, obviously Ebuwe's uh, done it once or twice. I don't like it. But having said that, you're absolutely right. that The reaction is a bit strange. Um, uh, I mean, you know, it's one thing to say he shouldn't have done it. Of course he shouldn't have done it. And I hope Wenger has a word. But, you know, two-match ban all of a sudden. I'd, I'd accept that if from now on, every single time somebody does it, they get a two-match ban, I'll say fine. But mm. I've funny feeling that isn't going to happen, you know? No, I mean, it's interesting, you know, to hear that UEFA are going to get involved. And I think it's something that, that everybody uh, would like to see driven out of the game. I think we've spoken about it on blogs countless times. Uh, having been on the receiving end of diving uh, uh, under much more costly circumstances than, than Eduardo's against Celtic, I think we'd all like to see it driven out of the game. And if it takes a, a two-match ban for Eduardo um, to start the process of... of um, you know, the, the sort of punishment that happens retrospectively, I don't think we'd argue too much. But how do you justify then the fact that if the if the ref had seen that as a dive on the night, it was a yellow card? 
for Eduardo. So how can you then go back afterwards and give him a two-match ban? How does that work? Well, that, that's one of the problems that they've got is it, it's, it's setting it, it would be to set a new precedent. Well, j- just about. I think there was one example I read about where um, Lithuania v Scotland, where they did it. But by and large, they you know the rules are if he wasn't booked, they can't look back. But um, so they would be changing things a bit there. But like you say, if if it meant if it led to uh, di- diving being cut out, then I don't think any of us would have any problems. And actually, one of the other things that they could do while they're at it is. You know, players that provoke uh, and cause a reaction, they never the ones that get punished either. So, mm. um, you know, that that strikes me as being something that would be quite useful to to do uh, retrospectively. But I think it's going to be quite hard for them to do. Mm. No, I'd agree because you're looking into a a whole not another level, but many different levels of administration. Then, because you're going to have to, how do you go about it? Maybe you have a, a system like in in rugby, for example, where the opposing team can cite one or two incidents in a game rather than having every incident looked at. Because if you're, if you're to punish players every time they dive, it's going to take forever for people to go through it and players aren't going to know if they're going to be banned or what have you. So maybe if, uh, in the case of Eduardo, for example, there's, there's an incident that, that was uh, detrimental to Celtic. So Celtic afterwards can say to whatever panel or uh, disciplinary body that there is, say, well, look, we want to cite this incident. You have a look at it and you decide if that player uh, is deserving of any punishment. That would be that would be one way of doing it, um, but I mean, and again, that sounds quite reasonable, but it hasn't been thought through yet. I suspect it would have to, it would take a hell of a lot of thinking through, and probably a pilot scheme here and a something or other there. And I so I don't know whether they'll they'll uh, um, you know take them out of the game for two uh, for two games. Well, we'll see. And if they do, uh, they have absolutely no choice but to carry on doing that, and that will be really interesting too. Because what happens if someone else dives blatantly and and that you know that they don't get a ban, then it's just completely crap isn't it mm. it is a, it's an interesting one for them to think about because maybe all the fuss or maybe all the the talk of a too much ban is because people are, are talking very loudly about it at the moment but if it's uh i don't know olympiakos against az alkmaar you know where's it where's all that coverage going to come from because is anybody going to pay attention to the dutch press or the the greek press it's the big it's the big countries that make all the headlines isn't it yeah well it- it, it may maybe we think that because we're in one of the you know we're we're sort of interested in one of the big countries, but I think you're probably right. Um, I don't know if they if they can come up with a workable a workable way of uh, of looking back at blatant dives um, and uh, you know I, I think we'd all accept it and they they put it across the board fine, but you know I, I don't I'm not going to hold my breath. Mm. All right, um, formation. Uh, the 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 start to the season obviously has been incredibly positive, and this uh, this new formation that we're playing seems to be getting, not the most, let's say, but getting more out of players um, who we had concerns about last season. And that's good to see, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's really good. I was uh, commenting to um, uh, one of my mates at the football on uh, well, uh, on Wednesday and um, I looked at the lineup, uh, the Celtic lineup, and, you know, there wasn't a single grumble from any Arsenal fan. And it was quite funny because it can, you know, featured all all of the players who'd had sort of moans against them last year, you know, the Bentners and the Abues and the... The Nielsen's and the Diabies of this world, so something must be going right that uh, nobody even sort of picked up on the fact that he wasn't playing Arshavin or this or that. So mm. it, something is working out really, really well. The interchanging well, uh, it seems very fluid, and I think maybe set after Saturday we can pass judgment a, a bit more than than we can at the moment. Mm. Do you think possibly the introduction of of Vermalen, who has had an impact on the defence, on the solidity of the defence, the, the form of himself and Gallas, they seem to have clicked very, very quickly 
uh, in the middle. And you do need that kind of defensive stability to be able to uh, to be able to give yourself that attacking platform, don't you? You do. We did, and it's something we ne- we never had last season, and um, we we didn't have it at all. We had the amount of partnerships at central defence we had last season. I forget, but there were a lot. And uh, if we can, if we can, if, if those two could stay fit and, and you know improve, then of course it would be absolutely fantastic. But I can't remember uh, the last time we had two sort of fit central defenders and who lasted throughout the season. But uh, they've made a brilliant start together. Almost, I wouldn't say it was telepathic, but they've done really well. Uh, like you say, the big test will be well. The first big test is going to be tomorrow uh, against Manchester United. Um, with all due respect to the rest of the teams that we've played, they don't necessarily have the attacking quality of uh, of Rooney or, or Berbatov uh, or even Michael Owen to to a certain extent. Um, but when you look at the United side, um, you can't. Maybe it's just me, but you can't help but look at that side and think, well, you know, we've got a really good chance here because Giggs is old, Scholes is older. Uh, Ronaldo is gone. Uh, central midfield, you know, they're playing uh, Fletcher. They're playing Carrick, who's a decent player, you know. And at the back with Ferdinand out, they're they're playing a guy who's only twenty three years of age and has only played a, a handful of games for them. And Johnny Evans. So um, there's there's reason given um, on top of the form that we've we've shown. Um, looking at the United side w- would give you a bit of confidence going into this one. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to tempt fate by uh, you know, saying we'll, we'll, we'll definitely come away with a result because let's face it, they're still the champions and they, um, uh, you know, got to the Champions League final last year as well. So mm. clearly, and in fact, they're the champions. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The last three years running, so clearly a strong side. But I think you're right. I mean, the loss of Ronaldo and Tevez and, and the midfield seems to have got that bit older. Um, it, they do seem a little bit weaker. Having said that, they did just win 5-0 at Wigan. Um, hmm. I think uh, I, I I'm confident. Uh, I think a lot of Arsenal fans are probably confident that we can get a result. Whether that means we can win or whether that means we can just you know draw, I don't know. But um, I think I, I think we have a good chance. Uh, but you never can tell. You know, it's, mm. it's so early in the season that uh, it's almost pointless even putting up league tables. At the, you know, uh, there's no point at all until you're sort of six, seven, ten games in. So mm. we'll see. But I am confident. I think we, we, you know we've we've made a good start. Our players are interchanging well. The ones that we had doubts about last season uh, seem to have really, really stepped up. So, um, yeah, it's looking good at the moment. Uh, the transfer window, we can't go um, without talking about that because it, it closes, uh, I think it's next Tuesday, is it? Uh, if I look at my calendar, I think it's next Tuesday uh, yeah. that, that it closes. Um, are you expecting anybody to come in? Um, ir- ir- regardless of whether you 
um, want somebody to come in? Do you think somebody's going to come in? Well, I actually think probably yes. I, I mean, I think if you take all the messages that that Wenger's sort of told us over the course of the summer, he's he's been fairly consistent that we're, that he's looking for someone, and then he kind of blurs the matter, doesn't he, in a classic Wenger way, mm-hmm. so as not to give anything away. And of course, in the last couple of weeks, he's just said, "I can tell you, we're not close to signing anyone," which is pretty much his stock quote. But um, I think uh, I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we did, um, you know, make a signing in the next. Uh, well, two or three days as it is over the weekend, perhaps maybe even on the last day, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Mm. I don't know who it'll be or even what position it'll be, but uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we brought one more player in. Yeah, it was interesting. I think it was a transfer window three years ago when we did that all that business at the at the last minute. Baptista came in, Gallas came in, and Dunielson came in. So um, yeah, I'd love to be a fly on the wall on transfer uh, window closing day because I reckon it, it's just mental. mental. I mean, yeah. you, you, you would sort of, logic would tell you that it's not a good day to do your. I mean, obviously you get probably a better deal, but it's probably so mental. But there must be a you know it must purely be because prices all summer. Let's face it, there haven't been an, other than Man City and obviously Real Madrid. There haven't been a lot of massive, uh, a lot of massive movement, and it's all beginning to sort of rumble a bit now. So mm. I, I reckon the deals are to be done. Yeah, so I reckon we, we we could well bring in a player. All right, okay. Well, we'll see. It is beginning to pick up the transfer market, so we'll see what happens, and uh, we'll talk to you over the course of the season. Man from East Lower, thank you very much. No problem, cheers. Thanks very much to the man from East Lower. You can check out his blog at www.eastlower.co.uk. Apologies uh, for the echoiness on the sound there. That's my fault. Entirely pressed the wrong button as we were recording, so uh, you can blame me for that one. Uh, Still to come, your chance to win one of three Arsenal training tops, one of the new ones. Uh, That's coming up in a little while, as well as Sylvester and that great MASH report. Now, though, TalkShite Radio. And finally, there are huge delays on what used to be the M25. The M25 has now been renamed after Manchester City's Togonian striker patented and copyrighted the number 25 for his own use only. From now on, the M25 will be known as the M Annual Eddie Bayor. Expect delays of up to 14 hours. And that's your traffic. We'll have more in an hour. Thank you very much, sexy Australian traffic girl. You are looking as hot as Kylie, dressed as a nun and smothered in poo. <clears throat> anyway, this is Talk Shite Radio, talking shite about sport 24 hours a day. Now, the football world has been dominated by one story and one story only this week. You might think that it's the return to hooliganism, the bad old days of the 70s and 80s. West Ham and Millwall fans going at it, having a ruck, stabbing each other. But you would be wrong. The only story this week is Arsenal, the shame they have brought to the game of football. Eduardo de Silva. Is he Brazilian? Is he Croatian? We don't know. What we do know, though, is that he is a filthy, diving, despicable cheat. Now, with me to talk about this is Jingoistic Rights for what used to be considered a quality broadsheet, but is now no better than the news of the world as they troll the web for hits. Journalist bloke, welcome to Talkshite Radio. Oh, thanks a lot, mate. It's great to be here. Now, you were there on Wednesday night to watch Arsenal go through to the group stages of the Champions League, beating a Celtic side who, if you know anything about football, were going to score at least four or five goals in that game until Eduardo died for that penalty, changing the course of the game. What can we do about this travesty of justice? 
to me, the answer is very simple. You know, we look at Eduardo and UEFA is talking about banning him for two games, which is a step in the right direction to me. But we need to look at the bigger picture, you see, because I imagine for one second, if you can, that Eduardo is a vampire. Now, if we were to break into Eduardo's crypt at night and drive a stake through his heart, that's fine. We've solved the smaller problem of one vampire. But in order to kill all the vampires, you've got to kill the head vampire, you see? So who is the head vampire, the puppeteer of Eduardo? And that's Arsenal Football Club. And that is where the focus should be. So what you're saying is that Arsenal should have a stake driven through its heart and then have its head cut off. Uh, even to me, that is a little bit on the harsh side. Could we not just ban them from Europe for a couple of years? Uh, well, yes, I suppose on the face of it, it does appear to be a little bit on the harsh side. However, I take you back to 1939 and a man who said of football, diving isn't that bad, is it, mate? Do you know who that was? Uh, no, I don't. Well, I shall tell you. It was Adolf Hitler. And Eduardo, by diving, is promoting Nazi idealism. And we don't want our children to be suffering from that. I'm told by a very good source that Eduardo is writing a book called Mein Flumpf. Flumpf being the noise he makes as he falls to the ground. So, uh, really, we, we have to protect the future of the game. And the only way we can do that is to... Kill Eduardo and Arsenal. Well, your extremely well thought out and coherent argument has got me convinced we must kill Eduardo and Arsenal. Otherwise, we are doing football a disservice. Thank you very much, Jingoistic Rights, for what used to be considered a quality broadsheet, but is now no better than the news of the world as they trawl the web for hits, journalist bloke. This is Talkshite Radio. We'll be right back after these messages with Clive Tilsley talking about the night that he sucked David Beckham's cock. Talkshite Radio, talking shit about sport 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day. We'll have more from Talkshite Radio throughout the season, no doubt. Now, we've got Manchester United coming up this weekend. Some team news on the way about that. Uh, but I've first got to give a little doff of my cap to David, who is uh, an Ars blog, Ars cast listener uh, from the States. And he sent me a YouTube video. And it's this kid on YouTube. He calls himself Tenews, T-E-H-N-E-W-Z. And he does news reports about all kinds of things. Football, politics, American society, celeb culture, Michael Jack, the whole lot. But he also does um, match reports about the British Premier League. It's, it's a kind of incredible thing. Anyway, he did a report about the first game of the season, Arsenal versus Everton. And it's... It's outstanding. If you were to script this, you could not do it. This is to news, Arsenal 6, Everton 1. What's up, YouTube? It's to news, and um, Everton... No, Arsenal has just beat Everton 6-1. Arsenal produced a very, very ni- nice opening day display to destroy, destroy Everton. Completely destroyed them. Um, first... Dennis Danielson fired Arsenal ahead by um, with a 25-yard uh, goal before the newly signed Thomas 
Verland doubled their lead with a header from a free kick. William Galgus uh, headed the third in before two Celis Fabregas goals made it 5-0. Gunner substituted substitute Eduardo was on hand to tap in the late six before Luis Saha rolled out the most inconsequential goal of Everton in injury time. So they come, um, so basically, Arsenal just destroyed Everton most of the game, and then Everton just put in one tiny little goal, and that was it. So it was really, really nice. Arsenal has completely destroyed them, so uh, very nice display today. So um, if this continues, they'll... They'll what? What will they do? He leaves you hanging for more. That's his great skill. Every single one of his reports ends like that. He's talking away and then all of a sudden he just... And that's it. I want to know what will happen if Arsenal continue. Come on to news, tell me. William Galgas, what will he do? Or Thomas Verland, what's going to happen to Thomas Verland? I don't know. But maybe Dennis Nielsen or Selesk Farfabregas might have some part to play in it. But how are we ever going to know if he prematurely ends his reports? Come on, Tanoos! What are you doing? Anyway, you can go check out more of his reports. His uh, YouTube username is Tanoos, T-E-H-N-E-W-Z. And uh, his his report on Michael Jackson's death and, and all that is very, very moving. It really is. <clears throat> And he does other reports too, some other Arsenal games. He did one about the Portsmouth game, and he does other other uh, British Premier League games as well. So if you want your fix of two news, head along to YouTube and pick it up right there. Now, uh, injury news ahead of the game against Manchester United on Saturday is that Sesk is, meh, he's a maybe. He's a maybe for the game. 60-40, Arsene Wenger says, yeah, he's going to have a fitness test, you see. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. The interesting thing as well is that he's been called up by the Spanish squad. So if we were considering nursing him through the Man United game and then hoping to rest him during the international break, that's not going to work. So you just wonder what the manager might do if the hamstring isn't isn't quite right yet, despite the fact that it's a, a very important game. It might not be worth playing, Sesk. Because if he plays Sesk, he's got to go away with Spain. And Spain will say, well, if he can play for you, he can play for us. Not everyone can do the whole Giggs-Wales-Man United thing. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Apart from that, the only injury we picked up in midweek was that of Aaron Ramsey, uh, who has a bit of a knee problem. They thought it was cartilage after he got a kick in the shin. Footballers are strange, aren't they? Get a kick in the shin, you get a sore knee. But, uh, yeah, whether or not he would have played much of a, a part against United is, is debatable anyway. Uh, Thomas Rosicki is back in full training, but Arsene reckons a game of this intensity would be too early for him. But if he's fit and back in full training, well, why not? He's also been called up on international duty as well uh, to the uh, to the Czech squad. And there are those, I'm sure, that will be a little bit peeved about that, that if he's uh, called away on international duty and gets injured, blah, blah, blah. I think the simple fact is is that we have to uh, we have to just let him go and see if he can play. Because if he can play for them, he can play for us. If he can't play for them, he can't play for us. You know, either way, 
he's either going to be all right or he's going to break down again. So, um, you know, I don't really have any great problem with him uh, being called away on international duty. Um, as uh, successful as the little chats with uh, the Lord of the Wing were, I was uh, thinking about getting in a Manchester United person uh, to talk on this week's Irishcast, to talk about their team and blah, 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 blah. And I was thinking, Lord of the Wing, he's a good chap. Man United fans, they're pretty much all cunts. What do we want to talk to them for? So we won't. But one man will be making a return to Old Trafford on Saturday. And that, of course, is Sylvester. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Sylvester. Oh, what a weekend we've got. Arsenal against Manchester United. It's a club at which I spent so much time, so many glorious years, so many happy times in the bathtub after the game. I tell you, Paul Scholes has got the gingerest scrotum I ever saw. But when I see Sir Alex... The man who sold me, I'm not sure what I will do. I think I will be a man. I will stand up. I will shake him by the hand and look him in the eye. And I will say, mission accomplished. Oh, baby! More from Sylvester on another Arscast in the very near future. Now, I told you I had prizes and I've got prizes. Oh, yes. I've got three Arsenal training tops with thanks to my good old friends at Nike. I'm not quite sure which training tops they are. All I know is that they are Arsenal training tops. They are men's size large. There is no, um, I want one in medium or extra large or extra, extra large. So if that affects your participation in this here competition, well then, I, I apologize. But this is just what I have. If I had more, I would give it to you. You know that. I would. But I don't at the moment. So three large Nike Arsenal training tops. To stand a chance of winning one, all you have to do is answer the following question. Uh, there's a new Nike ad featuring Theo Walcott about being fast and cool and Theo-ish. I want to know, against whom did Theo Walcott score his first Arsenal League goal? Who did Theo Walcott score his first Arsenal League goal against? All you have to do is email your answer to competition at arseblog.com. That is competition at arseblog.com. Give me your name, give me the answer, and on next week's show, I will reveal the three lucky people who have won an Arsenal Nike training top in size large. Not extra large or medium or or anything like it. So that's competition at arseblog.com against whom did Theo Walcott score his first Arsenal League goal. That's just about that, really. We've got Manchester United tomorrow, and let's face it, folks. After what happened at the tail end of last season, we owe these cunts a beating. Not a drawing, not a narrow defeat on our part. We owe them a beating. They got the better of us over the two legs in the Champions League semi-final. I don't think anybody can argue that they were the better team. I'm certainly not arguing that, but that doesn't mean that they're not cunts who need a good, solid thrashing. And I have to say, given the start we've made to the season and given United squad, 
which on paper to me looks not as great as it should, considering I'm reasonably confident going into this game. We've beaten them there before in recent years. That big lanky cunt scored a goal a couple of seasons ago to win us the game, you might remember. Late on, laid on by Sesk Fabregas, whether Sesk plays or not, remains to be seen. Regardless of that fact, I still think we can go there and get a result. And I hope the team are taking in the hurt of those two Champions League semi-finals against them. I hope they're remembering how it was we lost. I hope they're looking uh, at replays of it and going, Jesus, imagine if we actually worked a little bit harder. Or imagine if the guy playing up front actually bothered his arse. We could have done something a bit more. The new formation is interesting. It's great. We're pressing. I think uh, I think we've got the players to go there and get a result. I have a little feeling about Arshavin. So I do. I think he just might like tomorrow's game. So that's where my money's going. Arsenal win. Arshavin to score. Come on, you Reds. Or we'll be in horrible blue tomorrow. Nevertheless, come on, you Gunners. We can do it. I'm sure we can do it. So, until uh, next week's Arscast and uh, all next week's blogging and all that kind of stuff, you have yourself a very good weekend. Here's to a fucking performance and a result tomorrow. I'll talk to you uh, on next week's show. Until then, take it easy. Goodbye. Oh, tis yourself, Emmanuel. Come on in, come on in. You must be spent after the efforts you made on Wednesday night against Celtic. I was ever so proud, I have to say, ever so proud. You deserve a reward. Would you like a chup a chup? You would. What flavour would you like? Ah, strawberry. You always did like the strawberry, didn't you? Ah, oh, you did what I told you. You scored the goal against Celtic, even though they're a club with godly traditions and godly fans, unlike Arsenal, who let lesbians and all sorts into their stadium. But you scored the goal, and you ran over, and you lifted your shirt in praise of the Lord. There's nothing God likes more than a good shirt lifting to get his message across. Oh, we know that well, don't we? We do. Still, we've got more work for you, my child. Would you like that? You would? Yes. Have you heard of the man they call Collins? Phil Collins. You haven't? 
Well then, come over here and let me tell you all about him. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.